Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Awesome, thanks. Isn't baptism awesome? I remember um, my son was actually going to get baptised today, but he's a bit ill, so we'll push it back till next time. But he's um, six years old, and I remember this morning that I was actually six when I first decided to get baptised as well. I... um, I'd asked my dad, driving in the car, hey, dad, when can I get baptized? And he said, oh, you should ask God. You ask God when he wants you to get baptized. So, okay, I will. So next morning, you know, I'm sort of concrete sequential thinking, right? This happens, then that happens, then that happens. You ask him, he tells you, then you do it. Like, it's that simple, right? When you're six, especially. And uh, so I went and I got up early the next morning. I walked up the hill. I said, God, when do you want me to be baptized? And he said, uh, before you turn seven. And I said, okay, thanks. And off I go. Back down the hill, that's it. So I spoke to my dad. Hey, I prayed about it this morning. God said, before I turn seven. All right, let's do it. So that was it. And um, Ezra had the same sort of slightly different but similar story. We're driving in the car. Dad, when can I get baptized? And I said, um, I'm not sure, buddy. What? Let's, let's talk about it a little bit later. You ask God what, what he thinks. And he brought it up again, say, two or three days later. Um, so I knew it was you know, definitely something that was on his heart. And um, I said, yeah, let's, let's have a bit of a chat about it. And, you know, I'm not expecting a six-year-old to understand all the theology of being washed clean of sins and all that. But he, uh, I said, so what made you feel like you wanted to get baptized? And he said, well, I don't really understand all of it, but I know that a lot of people, when they follow God, they get baptized. And after I do it, then I'll understand. And I was like, yep, yeah, can't question that theology. So he was devastated that he couldn't be here this morning. So, so this morning, we're continuing in our theme, which is the helper, the Holy Spirit. And um, we had Pastor James who spoke to us about who the Holy Spirit is and how he was given to us. And then Joel spoke about how the Holy Spirit is our helper and helps us to love each other. Um, so today, I'm going to have a look a little bit more about uh, walking with the Spirit and what uh, the fruits of the Spirit when we actually walk with Him, and the fruits of not walking with the Spirit as well. So let's pray first, shall we? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for all that you have shown us and taught us in there. I thank you for how much we continue to learn. And Lord, I pray that as we have a look at this passage, as we have a look at what you've said to your church, that you will speak and not me. Lord, that you'll reveal things that you once said and that they will um, land in people's hearts because you're the one who's guiding and, and speaking to people. Amen. Amen. So this morning we're coming out of Galatians 5. We're talking through uh, verse 16 to 23. So let's have a quick read through that. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So not a complete list, but all of these things and, you know, all of the things like that. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is 
love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. So I wanted to take a step back a little bit and have a look at um, the letter that Paul is writing to the Galatians. So Paul wrote this letter uh, about 10 years after the church in Galatia. It's sort of a province. There's a bunch of different churches there. And so he'd gone and planted these churches himself. He'd introduced the good news of the gospel and said, this is the grace and this is how you're saved. So Jews and Gentiles alike. And then he heard news about them and things that are happening there, and he was actually appalled. And this book is quite probably one of Paul's most strongly worded um, um, letters. So as Pastor James mentioned um, a couple of weeks ago, Paul addresses them as, you foolish Galatians, he says, who has bewitched you? And throughout the book, he continues to use this kind of language. And I, I guess maybe my personality as well, I like the let's just be solid, direct, straight to the point with no messing about. And Paul doesn't kind of sugarcoat any of this, right? He's not trying to win new friends and all of that. He says, I'm astonished you so quickly deserted the one who called you by grace. Or um, all who, you, who rely on observing the law are under a curse. He says, I fear somehow I've wasted my efforts with you. And he says, if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. So you see, he's, he's pretty passionate about what he's saying here. This really matters a lot, and it matters a lot to him, and it matters a lot to us as Christians to hear what he has to say. So there was at the time a group of people, they often referred to as the Judaizers, they'd come in and they said, yeah, this is, this is all very good, you know, this is grace that, that Paul taught, but what you need to do is after you start in grace, you continue with, you have to follow these Jewish laws. And so that's what Paul had, had heard about. And um, he wanted to make it as clear as possible that that's a pretty dangerous path to be on. And they're effectively saying, you start in grace and truth, and then you continue working this out in the law. And um, as if we can, as humans, add anything to the complete, perfect, finished work of grace, that Jesus did on the cross. Yeah, true. And um, when I was about uh, 20 years old, probably, I moved to Sydney with my brother, and I'd sort of done um, church growing up, and I'd memorized a lot of scriptures, you know, because my dad was a preacher and Christian family and memory verses and devotions in the morning and all of that. And so I knew a lot of things, and I'd been a Christian just sort of roped in. Um, I'd stopped going to church. I was working huge hours, and I didn't know a local church. I didn't know many people in Sydney. And after a while, I just sort of felt myself going, if this is real, then it's real and it matters. And if it's not real, then, then I need to figure that out. So I got up early, and I started reading my Bible, and I started listening to this music, and I felt the presence of God like I hadn't felt it before. And to me, this is when I really made my life, my decision to follow Christ, and then I kept doing this and I kept doing this and after a while I was doing it and I started feeling tired in the morning and I couldn't quite get up and so I'd still sort of force myself to do it. And then if I missed it, I'd start to feel guilty and go, well, I need to do this. So I'd do it, you know, I'd try harder and I'd read stuff that I, you know, you'd read through and forget everything you're reading. And I'd try and pray and it was useless and I keep doing these things. And these were exactly the same things that I'd done before that had 
begun my relationship with God in a new way, but they weren't doing anything for me because I had turned what was a revelation, what was a practice, what was spending time with God into my law. I'd turned it into if you do this and then you do that and you do that. And um, the law... The, the law of Moses is what Paul was specifically talking about here to the church in Galatia, but we make all of our own laws all the time, right? And the law never was intended to, um, to make us right with God. The law was never able to do that. The law is perfect, and everything about it is perfect, but we are not, and so it shows us that we're not perfect. And Paul talks about this in a lot of other passages, how... When I saw the law, suddenly I was aware and I had all of these envious desires in me and, and all that. The law isn't wrong. It's just that it's not the path that we can take to, to Jesus. The only way is grace. Yeah. Yeah. And um, maybe at the risk of treading on a few idols, we know that we've all sort of done this, right? We often do this and it's easy to fall back to these things. I know I've done it all the time like I did when I was in, in Sydney. And even when I sort of prayed about it and God said, stop getting up early and reading your Bible and trying to pray because it's, you're just doing law. You're just doing these silly things. But we do it maybe every day. We slip back into, you know, we, we bring people along and say, accept the unmerited, unearned favor of God, which is complete and there's nothing you can do about it. And people do because that's true. And then we go, and now you've got to go to church, and now you've got to have uh, daily devotions, and now you've got to read your Bible, and now you've got to be in a connect group, and now you've got to give regularly, and now you've got to uh, volunteer, right? And I'm not saying any of those things are bad. They're absolutely good, and every single one of them helps us in our walk with Christ. But if we think we can earn the grace of God by doing these rules, we're dead wrong, and we've completely missed it. If we think that doing these things brings us closer to God and makes us right with God, we're going about it the wrong way. And when I did stop reading my Bible and I stopped praying and I stopped getting up early and I said, God, I don't want to just do things. I don't want to follow rules that I've made for myself. What I want is a relationship. And then I suddenly started waking up really early and reading my Bible and I started praying and I started entering into a relationship because the relationship doesn't rely on these rules. And the law that was given was never the relationship. The relationship is given to us by grace. And we move with God whichever way he goes, however he goes. And as soon as we add these extra things, do this as well as, then we're adding a law and that doesn't work. So why was Paul so passionate about us living in the scripture? Uh, in the spirit, sorry. Um, and I think that he saw that they were putting all of these extra bits, you know, adding. He says in um, 1 Corinthians, I think, that our righteousness is as filthy rags. He saw them taking the perfect grace of God that was one verse on the cross and adding filthy rags on the top as if that could make it better. Right? He said, if you, you've begun in the spirit, now you're going to finish in flesh? You have perfect and you're going to make it better with a filthy rag? That's, it just doesn't work. And so if we want to live by the Spirit, the only way is abiding in Him. And 
the list that I sort of brought before, if, that, if coming to church is how you spend time with him and you abide in him, if reading your Bible is a way that you're connecting with him, that is fantastic. And all of these things I think are important, but they're not, they're not the way to him. They are part of our relationship with him. So often we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, and we read a list of them here before. And um, the fruits of the Spirit are obviously an analogy to uh, regular fruit. You look at a tree, and it doesn't sit there and, come on, produce, produce beef grapes, produce, <laughs> produce apples or whatever else. Right? A tree doesn't actually strive and produce fruit. What a tree does is it sits there, it abides in the source, which is in the soil, in the water, and it absorbs all of this stuff, and the fruit is a byproduct. The fruit is the excess. You don't see the, the stressed, dying, underwatered tree producing fruit. You see the fruit from a tree that is abiding in him, and that's what Paul is trying to get across to the Galatians. They just sit there soaking up all of what God has for them, and the result is the fruit. So, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love. And if we want to love people, we don't need to work on being more loving. We don't add a seven-step plan on how to love people properly. What would, that would be like the, the tree, you know, trying to produce fruit. It doesn't, it doesn't work at all because there is no work that produces the fruit of the Spirit. That's what Paul said over and over. There's nothing you can do to produce the fruit of the Spirit. This is a fruit of the Spirit. The way you get it is abiding. So we only need to walk in line more with the Spirit and we will be more loving. If we struggle for peace in our lives, you can't paint your walls yellow and put on the scented candle and listen to the gentle music and, and whatever else and try and bring peace in because peace is a fruit of the Spirit. All you'll do is bring your distracted, troubled time there and you'll be trying again to add a law to create a fruit of the Spirit, and we know it doesn't work. Struggling with self-control, we don't need a guide on how to control yourself. We need to spend time with the Spirit. The only path to freedom is through the Spirit, and that's what Paul says here in Galatians 5.1. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And a life led by the Spirit brings the fruit of the Spirit in us. Right? So, if we're going to be free, if we're going to walk in freedom, if we're going to walk in the Spirit, there is only one path. And on the picture that was up there, it shows sort of, a, you know, the two paths going around. There's not two paths to God. There's not multiple ways. There's one way. The law leads to death and destruction. Grace leads to life. We can't add a little bit of this path with that path. They're going opposite ways, and they end up in opposite places. So I wonder if we can spend the last couple of minutes here this morning, and we're going to refocus, if we can, on um, letting go of our shoulds and our musts and our have-to. And I listened to a podcast a while ago, and they said, don't, don't put should on yourself. And you're going all the time, and that's what I felt when I was, you know, I should read my Bible more, I should pray more, I should get up early and spend time with God. That doesn't produce anything. But when we actually go, let me let go of the things that I've taken up, 
trying to produce fruit in my life. Let me let go of the things. So can I ask you to stand up? Praying works better when standing, I'm sure. And so the altar's open. You're more than welcome. And we have people here who will come and pray with you if you would like. First, I want to ask, is there anyone who has not yet made a choice to walk with God? Someone who goes, you know what, I've walked through my life and it isn't working. I've tried to be a good person and live a good life and it just doesn't produce the life, the joy, the peace that I need. Is there anyone who wants to go, you know what, I need to let go of me and take a hold of grace, let go of law and take a hold of what's freely given? there's anyone here, I'd like you to raise your hand and we'll, um, we will all pray with you. Let's give you a moment more. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord God. So let's spend a minute here with our Creator, with the God who overcame sin, who fulfilled the law, who, who uh, took away the punishment and took us off that path and gave us freely the grace to enter His presence. So would you pray this with me? And as Matt had mentioned earlier, pray your own prayer. But we're going to ask God to forgive us for the times when we've tried to do with law what he's given us freely in grace. Father God, we're sorry for all of the times when we try to figure out your word and do it ourselves. Or we're sorry that we so often take something that you've given us, turn it into a law and try and produce life from it. Lord, we're sorry for the striving that we've had to produce fruit, for becoming so busy that we don't spend time with you. Father, I ask that you will continue to ground us in your way, in your spirit, in your truth, in your life. Let us not step off the path that you've given us and try and do this on our own. Let us remember that it's only through you. It's only through grace. It's only through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Father God, we are so desperately aware of our need for a Savior. We are so aware of the times when we've tried to do it on our own and it hasn't worked. So Lord, we pray that as we stand here and we wait, that you will come, that you will pour your grace on us. Lord, I pray you touch those parts of our lives that are broken and that are hurting, the anger and the striving and all of the things that are not from you, that are produced from our trying to do it on our own. Lord, I pray you touch us and you heal us and bring your grace into our lives. Thank you, Father God. We're just going to stay in this moment just for one minute longer.
I'd ask that you just stand and receive. Just allow him to minister to you. Just allow him to pour into your heart. We don't need to do anything. We don't need to pray anything or be anything. Because he's done everything. It's complete. So let him pour his completed work into you this morning. Thank you, Father God. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.